Dorothy Mandel conducted her PhD research at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Her dissertation explored how we are connected through our hearts. In this episode, Dorothy shares with me what she discovered on her academic journey and the implications for how we can all thrive when we are in touch with our own hearts. Dorothy is this amazing psychologist, and she also happens to be my second mother. She gave birth to my very best friend in this world, and at some point we just adopted each other's family. I have vivid memories as a child of going to Dorothy's home and being completely surrounded by larger-than-life crystals. I remember witnessing Dorothy use an obsidian stone to help heal a childhood friend. She has a very calm, healing, and loving presence about her that I so appreciate in this wacky world of intensity. After I gave birth to my son, I've started visiting Dorothy so that we could play with creating flower essence blends to help me navigate all the fields of parenting. One time, I needed a space to receive a session from a woman who was helping me access my extraterrestrial doppelganger. Dorothy didn't even miss a beat in offering up her house, and she went on the journey to meet her own version, too. That's really a podcast for another day, though. I have a key to Dorothy's house on my keyring and feel like she often has the key to what ails me. Countless times she has helped me to anchor myself back into my truest, most open-hearted place. Also, Dorothy has a piano at her place, and I love to tickle those keys whenever I get the chance. I love Dorothy very much, and so I can't imagine a better person to explain the concept of heart synchrony, since Dorothy committed much of her own heart to this study. Heart synchrony describes the process by which we vibrate our hearts at a similar frequency. Apparently, it's where all the best loving happens. I hope you'll tune in to hear more about this amazing phenomenon. May I be a god for those who need protection A god for those on the path A boat, a raft, a bridge for those who wish to cross the flood May I be a lamp in the darkness, a resting place for the weary, a healing medicine for all who are sick. A vase of a tree of miracles and for the boundless multitudes of living beings may I bring sustenance and awakening during like the earth and sky until all beings are free and you're listening to The Positive Fantastic. My guest today is Dorothy Mandel. Welcome, Dorothy. Thank you, Maury. I'm really happy to be here. Yay, I'm really happy to have you. So, Dorothy, how do we know each other? Well, um, we met, I think, when you were about five years old. Mm -hmm. And what I remember is that we met at a, a gathering that was at a friend's house that was very spiritually oriented. And I think 
that they were inviting people who channeled to come and speak. And they had big potlucks. And my daughter, Melania, was about the same age as you. And um, you guys just really clicked. And we've just been tight ever since. That's right. Yes. Your daughter, Melania, is my very best friend in the world. And you've become my other mother. <laughs> and it's been really lovely to have that continuity of both of us getting to know each other. And I wanted to have you on the podcast today because you did this amazing research about the heart. So we're going to get to go into that research more and talk about what you studied and what you found. So you did some dissertation research about the heart. Can you tell me what you what you were studying? Yeah, um, I did it at the uh, lab at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and I had uh, Roland McCready, who's the chief scientist at the Heart Math Institute, helped out on it, and Dean Radin, who's the chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Science, helped out on it. And I also had a research partner, Layla Kozak, um, who was at the University of Washington, I believe, at that time, um, also participated in it. And it was pretty fascinating research. Um, in part, we had repeated research that had already been done about uh, the physiology of brain synchrony between people. But what we did is we added um, a heart component. So we were measuring people's physiology, their brain physiology, their heart physiology, skin conductance, a number of, of measures um, to see how connected people were over a distance. Could you explain a little bit about what the structure of your study looked like? Yeah, um, we had a, a lab that had a, um, it's called a Faraday cage, which is kind of like a big refrigerator that's electromagnetically sealed. And we had one person in that room who had a video camera aimed at them. And periodically that video camera came on and took a picture of their face. And that randomness was controlled by a randomized computer program in a separate room. And then we had their partner, who was somebody that they either had a, a close primary connection with, or they may have been sisters, or they may have been good friends or relatives, but somebody that they were close to mm -hmm. was sitting um, a, quite a number of meters away, two rooms away, in another room with a video monitor. And that video monitor would be blank. And then um, periodically, the picture of their partner would come on to the video. And when that happened, their physiology was being measured. Um, both of their physiologies were being mm -hmm. measured. So when that happened, their brain waves would spike because it, they would go from viewing nothing to viewing something. So what we were doing was seeing if sometimes if that person who wasn't watching the video, um, if their brain waves would spike at the same time as their partners just because they were synchronized. Mm. And that portion of the research had been repeated quite a number of times before at labs around the world. Mm -hmm. And usually they had found that in about 30% of people, their brains did synchronize and nobody knew exactly why. So what we did that was different in this research was that we looked at the heart rate variability component to see what was happening there to see if it would give us any, um, any kind of further information on what was happening and why and how it is that people can be synchronized at a distance in their physiology. Fascinating.
What did you find that was most intriguing to you in, in that study? Well, we found um, on one hand what other researchers before us had found, that this, um, this synchrony between people at a distance happened in, in about 30% of the people. But when we looked at what was happening in their heart rate variability, a whole new piece emerged because what we found was that when their heart rate variability was what in what's called a 0.1 hertz range, which is a range that indicates a high level of order and balance in the nervous system, a balance between the autonomic, the parts of the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and parasympathetic, mm -hmm. that when the people were in that balanced state, that's when their brains were synchronized. And that's, you know, when it happened that the person looking at the video had brainwave spikes and their partner in the other room with no video had brainwave spikes um, approximately 0.3 seconds after, but in the in the same uh, in the same form, almost mirroring their same brainwave activity. Mm -hmm. And we found that those people, when we looked at their heart rate um, data, their heart rate variabilities were both in the 0.1 hertz range, and their heart rates also looked like they were mirroring each other. Wow! So that was pretty fascinating. And that was um, that was a big piece to me to understand that when our hearts are in synchrony and um, this 0.1 hertz range also denotes a, a place of caring often when people are in a, a state of caring um, or appreciation or any of the heartfelt emotions, that's the that's where the heart rate variability is. So when these people, what it meant to me personally was when the people were feeling um, and experiencing a sense of connection that their brains could more easily be in synchrony at a distance and their entire physiologies could be more easily in synchrony at a distance. And I thought that was pretty profound and yeah. pretty fascinating. And then another piece that emerged that we can't really know any of this research, how much it would hold up in future research because I don't think future research has been done yet and I mm -hmm. hope that it is. Mm -hmm. But what we found that in a certain number of people, their hearts actually registered that something was going to happen, meaning the video was going to come on, there was going to be a change in the environment. Mm. But the heart was actually registering that that was going to happen three seconds before it happened. Yeah. And some of the people who were not in the room with the video monitor. And that, to me, just opened up a whole new world of how I thought about how presentient our hearts may be, that they may be registering things before our brains even know they're happening. Mm, Pre-sentient, what a great word. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought about martial arts masters who can anticipate their, um, their opponent's moves, and is that because they're in their hearts? I don't know. Mm. And I thought about um, people sometimes, uh, I'd heard of firsthand reports of people taking an alternate route home, not knowing why, and then finding out there was an accident mm -hmm. on the route they would have taken, or or similar things that we've probably all heard. Right. And it made me wonder, is that because their hearts were in this balanced state and could pick up on that information? Mm -hmm. And then through the Heart Math Institute um, research, we also know that the, the range, the electromagnetic, electromagnetic field of the heart is so much larger than that of the brain. Mm. Um, so when I think about that, I realize that it's actually our primary sensory system because that field of our hearts 
is going out further and interacting with the electromagnetic fields of other other beings, other objects on the planet before our brains. Um, so it really just gave me such a deep feel for how important it is for us to stay connected with our hearts. And it really shaped my work in the future. Dorothy, what inspired you to look and study heart synchrony? Well, it was um, kind of two, two different branches that, that fed into my interest in doing this research. One was my interest in paranormal um, kind of distant effects, um, because I think throughout my life and just hearing stories from other people that sometimes you just know things are going to happen before they happen, mm -hmm. or you have a feeling about something, or you have a communication with somebody at a distance, or just intuition. I've always been a pretty intuitive person and mm -hmm. just don't always understand how that works, but definitely a part of my life. So that was one branch. And the other branch that I think was even more inspiring for me was I had a very visceral um, memory that really stayed with me of nursing my first child and that first kind of lock-in eye gaze mm -hmm. that I got mm -hmm. and just having this feeling of warmth just you know coming from my heart but washing through my whole body and wanting to know what that was knowing that it was something significant and it was something important mm -hmm. and I kind of looked around for information about it and I was um, somehow established contact with um, Roland McCready at the Heart Math Institute and was asking him questions if he knew um, if it had anything to do with oxytocin. And we communicated off and on for a couple of years. And then one year we found some research that said indeed that the heart does produce oxytocin. The heart is an endocrine gland. Wow. And, and I realized that that was um, somehow important just intuitively. Mm -hmm. I knew that 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 feeling of that warmth and that connection with the heart was important. And so these two branches um, came together for me. And also hearing about the Heart Math Institute, reading some of their material, and then also uh, reading a really fascinating book called The Heart's Code, where um, um, a doctor was sharing his uh, knowledge and experience of a heart transplant patient. Um, I believe it was a child who um, received the heart of another child who had been uh, murdered. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew this child had been murdered, but the child who received the heart started having dreams, kind of violent dreams. Wow. And at first, um, you know, they just got written off as weird coincidence. But eventually, apparently, this, it, as the story goes in the book, the, the dreams got so vivid that they actually led the police to the murderer of the child whose heart the recipient had received. Wow. And it was a very deep realization for me that there are things that go on beyond anything we can explain, beyond mm -hmm. our knowledge. and All the time. And it, it made me curious, and my curiosity eventually turned into my research. Today's public service announcement is about the Heart Math Institute. Dorothy, can you share what this organization does, this nonprofit? Yes, it's been a very inspiring organization for me. They are looking at uh, kind of the science and the spirituality of the heart and 
helping merge those two domains and make them accessible for people. So they have done a lot of work um, from all the way from the corporate level to therapy level to working with military families and teaching people how to regulate their emotions uh, through their through their hearts. They have um, both practices and strategies that people can do, and they also have uh, home use biofeedback equipment that people can use. So they have, um, I, I would highly recommend people look up their website because they have a lot of uh, different avenues that people can participate through. And that's heartmath.org. Yeah. And they also have the Global Coherence Initiative that's also a very participatory part of their work. And the Global Coherence Initiative is about discovering the heart's electromagnetic field so that we can vibrate in a really healing way for ourselves and for the earth. Yes, they also have sensors set up around the world where they're measuring the magnetic field of the earth and how that interfaces with uh, human activity. Beautiful. After you completed your PhD research on heart synchrony, you have started to weave that into your life as a psychologist. What's your vision for moving forward? That is a great question. I appreciate you asking it. Uh, I, I feel like we're at a real um, evolutionary turning point, um, both on the planet and in terms of the human species and mm -hmm. who we are and who we will become. And I've realized in my work that humans are very adaptable creatures. And historically, I feel like we have adapted in some kind of dark ways towards genocide and wars and um, harm, mm -hmm. harming the planet, harming each other, harming ourselves. And I, I feel like I, I know in my heart of hearts that we can also evolve into the, the beauty that we are. Because humans mm -hmm. also are responsible for so much beauty and so much love and so much creativity on the planet. And I'd like to help push our evolutionary trajectory more in that direction. So as a psychologist, one of the things I value the most about my work is I have the opportunity to help people connect with their hearts more. Uh, people in all walks of life, whether it be um, veterans of wars or people who have suffered tremendous neglect and abuse, or people like you and me, um, that it gives me an opportunity to help people learn how to connect more with their hearts. Mm -hmm. And I feel strongly that in connecting with our own hearts, it affects how we are able to sustain nurturing relationships with others as well. And it affects our level of awareness and our presence of how we interact with our planet as well. So it all feels very tied in and very significant and important to me. What are some of the patterns and things that you've been noticing in your life and in your work? Well, I notice that as a culture, as a society, we seem to be very much in our heads. And that the more trauma people have, the more in their heads they are and the more cut off and separated um, we all get from our hearts. And we do live in a pretty stressful world, if not with current stressors, just the busyness and mm -hmm. the pace of life that, um, that we mostly do lead. 
So one of the things that made me think about that I was just talking to Maury about when we were on a break was that when I was studying and teaching embryology, one of the things I learned was that the heart is the first organ formed and that the heart actually um, triggers the formation of the brain to help it do the functions that it can't do. And it made me realize that our brains really need to be in service of our hearts. And when our brains get kind of cut off, which happens in stress and, and trauma, that we don't have access to that, that wisdom and that overview that our hearts have. So it inspires me even more to help people um, notice how much presence they're experiencing in their bodies and stay connected with their hearts and know that their brains really need their hearts as a guidance system, that we can't just be walking heads and walking brains. So, What a different perspective then. And so much of society is structured in this way where we really, we're in service to thought, we're in service to thinking, we're in service to this kind of Cartesian dualism where we have the head and then we have the rest. And really to, to put that, to turn it on its head and to really think about the heart as the center, to think of the heart as the, the root force that energizes the rest of the human development, to really embody ourselves in that way from a, from a connection with our hearts. Yes, as have indigenous people known for eons. And the other thing that that brings me to that I'm remembering is how much our, our entire sensory systems are connected with our heart, like beauty is a trigger to awaken our hearts, whether it's mm. the beauty of, of vibrant smells or the beauty of flowers. visuals of the earth, the yeah. flowers of art, um, that our whole sensory systems, the more we awaken our sensory systems, the more we awaken our hearts. And I know when I'm talking to clients about this, I sometimes realize that in indigenous cultures, people had to live with their sensory systems. It was an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. So they were much more aware. And yet in our culture, we've had to shut down our sensory systems from overload of not so pleasant noises and Stimuli. sights and, yeah. and overstimulus and things like that. And just how much we've lost in, in that shutting down of our sensory systems, how much beauty we've lost and how much heart-opening um, connection we've lost also. So that's some, a, a pattern that I've become aware of, I guess, just in life and in work as well that I work with. How can we live more from our heart? Well, that's a really good question, and I've been... Um, exploring that for a long time. And I think one of the simplest ways for us to get back in touch with our hearts is through the bridge of appreciation. Any heartfelt emotion that we experience and allow ourselves to feel in our bodies, not just to think, but to actually feel in our bodies, uh, triggers a different chemistry in our body. So I've found appreciation, just really uh, simple appreciation, whether it's for the trees or the blue sky or for a person that you love can trigger um, this kind of warm, expansive, open-hearted feeling in the body. And that when that happens, when that, when that trigger is, is a felt sense, there's actually a whole different chemistry going on in the body. Your heart rate 
variability is changing into that balanced place. Mm. And as a result, your heart, because it's an endocrine gland, begins to put out hormones into your body that are tremendously restorative. They actually speed wound healing and diminish pain sensation and balance blood pressure in the body. So the more we learn to access this state and to just learn to trigger that impulse within ourselves, no matter what's going on around us, the more we strengthen the neural pathways into that system. And each time we feel that kind of open-hearted warmth, it's a sign of an oxytocin release in the body. And oxytocin is one of those hormones that I spoke about that, that triggers all these restorative responses. And each time we trigger that oxytocin response, we get more oxytocin receptors in our body. So we're actually increasing our capacity um, for loving feelings, for that heart-opening warmth. And we're increasing our capacity to both feel it in bigger ways and also sustain it for longer periods. And I feel like that's one of the most valuable things we can each contribute and do on the planet. Whenever we feel like there's so much we can't do that we don't mm-hmm. have control over, mm-hmm. this is something we can do as humans, as individuals, as a species, to be able to learn to initiate and sustain that um, that loving presence and have that radiating out from our hearts to those around us feels like one of the biggest, hugest things we can do. Gorgeous. Well, thank you so much, Dorothy, for being a guest on the show today. I really, really appreciate the way that you are so articulate about the science of the heart and how we can translate that into our lived expression. And I feel like it really, really reaches that the core of what I want to do with this podcast, which is enable people to thrive, to share resources, to to talk about the good news and the, the beauty and the extreme exquisite consciousness that is possible with humans when we really apply ourselves to in service to the heart in service to the earth in service to each other and to growing a community of people that are all able to be healthy well and thriving so thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time to be my guest today and thank you so much maury for allowing me this opportunity to share these things that um, have been so dear to my heart for so many years and to be able to share them in a more collective way, which I've always wanted to do. I'm grateful I get to share them one-on-one with my clients and people who ask, but it's really a wonderful opportunity to be able to share on a, on a more collective way. So much gratitude to you for what you're doing. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Natura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, maureenatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to maureenatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries describing each episode. I'm on social media, and you can follow me on Facebook on my page, Maureen Atura Author, and you can follow me on Instagram, at Author Maureen Atura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash to have Dorothy lead you through a heart-centered meditation. You can contact Dorothy about heart research at dorothy at dorothymandel.com, or you can go to our website, dorothymandel.com. This 20th episode of The Positive Fantastic has been brought to you on the new moon, and I hope you'll enjoy us on the next full moon when I interview Tears of Dawn about the art and practice of yoga. Cheers, and may your journey from one heart to another heart be fantastic. <laughs>